Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, Understanding ADHD and Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, Part 1. Uh, we're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the, the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So one of my favorite individuals to interview is Dr. Roberto Olivardia. The reason for that is he takes really kind of complex things and breaks it down in simplistic terms so that we all can understand. I have a lot of people sometimes come to me that have ADHD and claim that they have OCD. Um, in a two-part interview I did with uh, Dr. Olivardia years ago, um, he kind of helped remove the mystery and helped me discern kind of uh, what is OCD and being able to delineate and say, well, what's ADHD and what is OCD and what's the difference and where's the gray area? So this is part one of a two-part series that we're releasing. Uh, so we're going to do that now. You will be able to hear part two uh, next week so uh, uh it's, it's a great this is a great series again dr olivardi is incredible so uh let's roll the tape welcome back dr olivardia we're happy to have you again oh and thank i'm you. happy I'm... to get to chat with you for the first time yes it's very nice to meet you and glad to be back and everybody just if you go back in the archives we've had them on talking about eating disorders and sleep disorders and both of them were spectacular shows um i encourage you to go back and listen to it because uh uh, Dr. Oliver is a brilliant individual, and also, again, uh, when you get done with this, go to Attention Talk Video and catch our uh, 
I think it's like a, about a seven or eight minute uh, discussion about how he did his dissertation, and it's really it's a really great show because how he studied for that's not it's not on the top ten list of obvious solutions, which is one of my favorites because <laughs> there's there's so many people get stuck paying attention to that list, and there's so many other solutions that aren't on that list that is great stuff. So. Um, uh, Dr. Olivardi, I guess let's kind of kick some things off. Let's start with some of the basics. Sure. What, what is obsession, uh, the obsession part of obsessive-compulsive disorder? Sure. An obsession is basically characterized by a recurrent or persistent thought uh, or impulse, or it could be an image or picture in your mind that is experienced in a very intrusive way, in a way that is not something that is welcoming to a person and can cause a tremendous amount of anxiety and distress. And these are not thoughts and images that are simply excessive worries about real-life problems. These are um, thoughts and images that seem to not really even be grounded in uh, things that are going on in a person's life. And in addition to that, the person is trying to ignore or suppress these thoughts and often neutralize them with a, a specific thought or an action. And when I'm talking obsessions, I'm talking it could be uh, someone having an obsession that they're going to kill a family member. And these are not people who are homicidal who are actually going to do this. Um, it's the fear that they're going to do this. And, of course, if you're somebody who doesn't have any inkling of, of having that kind of characteristic, it's very distressing to imagine that. You can have an obsession about um, that if you – count to the number seven, if you have seven items in front of you, that something terrible will happen and a family member will come down with breast cancer. Um, and so you have to maybe never come across the number seven. If you see a word for whatever reason and have an obsession that a certain word will cause um, harm upon somebody, um, I have patients who will be driving on the road, and if they hit a, a pothole or a speed bump, they start having the obsession that maybe they just hit and killed somebody, and so they might need to go back to what they think might be the scene of the crime, and of course they didn't kill somebody. They just went over a speed bump or a pothole, but it's almost as if the brain just keeps somebody stuck, and the thoughts are often not bizarre in the way that even people who don't have OCD often have very bizarre images and thoughts, but for someone with OCD, it's almost like it's just stuck, that they can't get away, and it causes just a tremendous amount of torment, honestly, and, and anxiety. And you, and you said intrusive thought. And, and yes. I just want to kind of pause because I think that's an interesting word. Tell me, from your perspective, what does intrusive look like? So an intrusive thought would be one that uh, is certainly not welcomed. It's not that you uh, want it. It's not that um, you even can even predict when the thought is going to come about. It literally just feels like it's being kind of injected in you or that it's being thrust upon you. So I'll have a patient who might be walking down the street, and then all of a sudden they have this thought that if they don't say the Hail Mary ten times that – something terrible will happen to one of their children. And so, so there's this thought that just it seemingly comes out of nowhere, and it causes so much anxiety to the person. And it feels, because the body is literally reacting to it physiologically, it feels very real. Like if I don't say the Hail Mary ten times, then something bad is going to happen to one of my children. And, and so uh, it's interesting, and Kirsten, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. To me, there's, I mean, I've worked with some people that I've coached that, that – they're, 
they have these thoughts like I need to get organized and stuff like that. But that's that's not really an intrusive thought. No, definitely not. Yeah, no, that would be part of sort of a real-life issue. You know, if somebody has problems with organization that they need to get organized, uh, that would be sort of in line with with what they need to be doing. This would be more characterized by thoughts that are not really – don't seem to be grounded in kind of um, sort of what is going on in the person's life and is very unwelcomed and uh, something that, in fact, people try to suppress or ignore because they're very, um, they're very. Na- I mean, at minimal, they're nagging, and at most, they're tormenting. But of course, the more the person pushes it away, the more they start thinking about it. And that's it like be, don't think about the elephant in the room, and all you can think about is ex- the elephant. Exactly, right? exactly. And then where compulsions come in is that compulsions are basically repetitive behaviors that a person feels driven to perform in response to the obsession in order to try to reduce or neutralize the obsession. So it becomes I have this obsession of germs on my hands and washing my hands or sanitizing my hands is the compulsion to neutralize this obsession in my head so that I feel my anxiety going down. But sometimes the compulsion can look, I mean, it could be if I have anxiety uh, or this obsession that if I pray, if I don't pray 10 times um, that something bad will happen, the compulsion would be then the prayer. Um, But compulsions could be checking, it could be hand washing, it could be ordering things in a certain way, it could be praying, saying certain words repeatedly, um, saying certain numbers repeatedly. Literally, it could be anything because for whatever reason, the OCD is saying this is what you need to do to neutralize the obsession or your anxiety. Do you always have a compulsion? I work with a lot of clients who come in and will tell me, yes, I have OCD. I really like my house clean. I make sure that all of my clothes are in order and, you know, in the closet. They're hung according to color or whatever. Um, You know, I'll spend – I get really upset if, you know, somebody leaves something out on the counter after I've cleaned everything. Um, What's the – that to me is not OCD, but can you Correct. explain what is the difference between that and these people who are self-diagnosing with OCD and and really the severity of, of what you're talking about? Absolutely. You, you know, what you bit. described is it, it could be, you know, someone who like things to be very clean. I mean, there is a, a term called an obsessive compulsive personality, which refers to people who, you know, are kind of like the quote unquote neat freaks or someone who's very anal retentive, um, but they don't have these sort of obsessive sort of thoughts. They just like things a certain way or just so, and they have um, a lot of trouble if things aren't that way. But that's not to be mistaken for particularly in in with a group of people with ADHD that I know for myself, I have ADHD, that I I like my space, if I'm sitting down to write, for example, to be very clean. When I was in college, I always had to clean my room before writing a paper, like very much so. And my friends used to joke, say, oh, you're so OCD. But it, that, it wasn't driven by this sort of, oh, I need to have the room perfectly clean. It was more, I need my space clean so I'm not distracted by it while doing this paper. And so, you know, people with ADD might not like clutter and they might like things to look very neat. And so it can look very much like they have this sort of obsessive compulsive style. And some of them do. But that example could also be coming from somebody who just 
knows that they need an organized space. Now, if this is somebody, for example, who if you have children and, you know, every time your children puts a toy out of place, you have to put it back immediately, even though they're still kind of using it, then you're running into sort of more of a problem because now it's very clear that functioning in that environment is going to be very difficult. Um, and so it, there's, there's a spectrum, but with ADD, it can be very tough because about 30%, believe it or not, 30% of people with obsessive compulsive disorder have ADHD. We don't know what percentage of people with ADHD have OCD, but um, about 30% of my patients, I work with many patients with OCD, have ADHD, and it can look very they can look like each other at times they can actually fuel each other and it can it can be very tough sometimes to tease it out that's all everybody i'd like to get into that more in a second but but and, and kirsten i i, I like your question here because to, to me it'd be great to have this little swiss army knife to determine what is and i've coached some people that had some compulsive type stuff but i was always like cleaning your room beforehand serves you because you get rid of those distractions so that you can kind of focus and stuff doesn't necessarily nag this to me there's like a reason to it but these intrusive uh not grounded thoughts really makes a lot of sense to me uh, dr olivardia can you be really compulsive i mean do you do you always have a compulsive do you obsess about something and always have a compulsive behavior that reciprocates, or can you be very um, obsessive and not necessarily see the compulsive be- behavioral side of it? Absolutely. It's a great question because to be diagnosed with OCD, you can have either um, an obsession or compulsion or both. And there are actually people, we call them pure O or pure obsessional individuals who do not have any compulsions. So they're not hand-washing, they're not ordering things a certain way, they're not praying, they're not, but it's all in their head. It's all mental obsessions that they're doing. So they're just thinking uh, over and over. They could be mentally reviewing. So, for example, I have a patient that every social interaction he has, his, he obsesses that he might have offended somebody and so after the social interaction, he will spend upwards of four to five hours sometimes after even a 10-minute social interaction, literally mentally reviewing every aspect and iteration of that social interaction and, and wonder how he could have offended that person. Did they look at him in a certain way that signified that he was offensive? And so his obsession is that he's offended people. And so every interaction i mean imagine how draining that is to be even talking to people and so naturally uh, he would prefer isolating himself um so yes to answer your question absolutely people can have obsessions in the absence of compulsions and can have compulsions in the absence of obsessions i have other patients that will have a, a patient for example he has to group things in eights in groups of eight so on his bookshelf He'll have books in eight and then a space and then eight. Pencils have to be eight. In the, and, I'll, and I ask him, what's the significance of that? He's like, I have no idea. He goes, I don't, he goes, I don't even have a thought that if I don't do eight, something bad will happen. He goes, I don't know. He goes, I just feel driven to do it. And if I don't do it, I'll feel anxious. But I don't really know what's the ultimate fear. It's just it, – it's, and that's what OCD is. It's really um, somebody's ability or inability, rather, to deal with – uh, anxiety, um, a sense, a loss of any type of control, or uncertainty. And many people with OCD have trouble with uncertainty. So, going back to the pure O, if you have this obsession, and the compulsion is t- 
to me, it's it's almost like Puro, the compulsion is part is to replay it over in your mind over and over and over and over to, to, to you know, right. analyze it over and over and over, but you can't see it. So the the C part is something that you can observe, but is there like the, I'm obsessing, but the compulsive side is I keep ruminating, I don't know, I don't know a lot of people don't like that word, but you keep replaying that over your mind. Is that is, yes, yeah. in, a, okay. in a matter absolutely that the compulsion is or the ritual is, but it's all mental. It's all mental rituals, so it's not a behavioral ritual. But absolutely, that uh, what my patient is doing is is ritualizing and engaging and kind of reviewing every aspect of the interaction. And at first, it's to make sure that he didn't offend somebody, but then it turns into, I mean, when you analyze anything close enough, you're, you know, you're going to find what you most fear. And then before you know it, any um, sign becomes a sign that he did, in fact, offend people, when, in fact, he's the least offensive person you will probably ever meet. Interesting. I, I need to go to break real quick, but when I come back, you know, Kirsten, I'd like to int- get your thoughts on this, on the diagnosing side of it, because it seems to me, and I don't, I, I, everybody, you know, I'm just a knucklehead out here, but it seems to me that the compulsive side, the obsession side would be harder to diagnose than the compulsion, but we'll get to that in a second. Before we go to break, if anybody's got any questions for uh, Dr. Olivardi, you can reach him in his email. I just said R-O-B-E-R-T-O underscore Olivardi, O-L-I-V-A-R-D-I-A at hms.harvard.edu and I encourage you um, he's a brilliant guy we've done some interviews in the past go look up past episodes on sleep and eating and also uh, check out his new video that was just released uh, yesterday on Attention Talk Video and with that we'll be right back after these messages our secret word is OCD1 your life your world your choice this is Attention Talk Radio Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. We've got Dr. Robert Roberto Olivardi, and we're talking about ADHD and obsessive compulsive dis- uh, disorder. And um, before we kind of get into some things, uh, if, you, if you heard earlier in the commercials, uh, the Hey You commercial was kind of running. And Dr. Olivardi, last week we, we interviewed Melinda McDeal, who kind of conceptualized that. And it was funny because after the show, we, we were releasing um, – your video and the punk rock stuff, and you did just and I couldn't help but share that with them, and they absolutely loved it because we talked about the drum beats in that the um, <laughs> in their audio programs, and she's like, the email I got back, I, I, if I can find all four she's like, yeah, he rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Um, so with that being said, um, Kirsten, I'd like to get your kind of thoughts. To me, as I've, I've as I. As I've listened here, it seems to me that the diagnosis, and I'd like to get your perspective. I'm just a coach, you know, Dr. Olivardia. You're on one side. Kirsten's she's a psychologist, but she's also being trained coach. And so I'm interested to kind of like move through that process, but move through the the continuum and have her be the bridge. But 
to me that the obsessive side would be harder to notice and pick up than the compulsive side. From your perspective, Kirsten, is that do you see that, or is it, is it just, just give me your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, oftentimes, Dr. Alberti, you can tell me you work with these clients a lot more than I do right now. They, you know, they kind of every once in a while show up in my practice. But um, a lot of times, most of the time, they're trying to hide this from you. So, you know, I had a gentleman that I worked with for a couple of years, and I think it was probably six or eight months into our work when he started discussing some of the compulsive behaviors and obsessive thoughts that he had outside you know, as he was going through his day-to-day life, um, because it was very embarrassing to him. He has, you know, they have awareness that this is not typical, and feel very out of control about it. Um, so, you know, oftentimes you won't notice either one. It's not like people are usually sitting there, you know, if their thing is counting or praying or whatever. They're not. They're not doing it in a way where they want everybody to notice, because it's a very internal process that's going on. And, yeah, Dr. Alberti, would you say generally true? Yeah, I would say that it's definitely a disorder that's marked with a lot of shame. And, I mean, you have to, interestingly, people with OCD are often uh, above average in their intelligence. And so these are people who are quite intelligent and often in, in some level know that what they're doing is irrational but can't stop doing it. And imagine, you know, when you – that you know that what you're doing or what you're thinking kind of doesn't make sense, but at the same time, every part of your body is telling you you still need to be doing it. Um, and some of the thoughts and obsessions that people have can be quite shameful. I mean, there are um, obsessive thoughts that people can have that they are uh, child molesters, that they are murderers, that they are um, going to hell. I mean, really just terrible, terrible thoughts. And again, keeping in mind that these are not people who are actually at risk for doing these things as far as OCD goes. That's what – it's almost like the OCD – if we were to personify OCD, it's almost as if it's it's picking the very thing that they know – um, is going to really get that person the most. And so for my patient who fears offending people, that's obviously a very important value to him is to be a nice person and be very polite. And so his OCD is that. Um, so it can be very shameful for people. From a, from, for the people in this space, you know, we think of metacognition, be able to observe your thoughts. Am I hearing that many of them, kind of recognize it and are suppressing it and only like maybe bring it out after they're comfortable with somebody so in other words they kind of they it's rational they know they they observe it in their mind themselves they know it doesn't make any sense there's some shame and they just they're guarded with it is that right it could be there's actually a sort of a spectrum of insight that you'll see with OCD so there will be some patients absolutely that they're aware um, that they really probably don't need to be washing their hands for three hours, but the thought just keeps nagging at them that if they, maybe their hands aren't quite clean enough, maybe a germ went into a little cut in their skin, and if that happens, it could infect their bloodstream and they could die in a year. So why not just wash your hands if that's going to be, now of course, that's the worst thing you can do for OCD. Um, And we could probably talk about that when we talk about treatment. But as far as the person with OCD, they think, well, what's one more time if I'm going to feel just rid of this thought? But then that one time leads to another, to another, to another. And then I have other patients who are 
pretty much can, I mean, they feel very convinced that this is just what they need to do. And so um, people come to me for treatment often because, I mean, their lives are literally just rendered dysfunctional because of this, or their spouses bring them into treatment because, as one of my patients many years ago uh, required his whole family to basically strip naked before they walked into the house because he was so fearful of any um, pollutants in the air that might be carried on people's clothing that would then be brought into the house that would then be breathed by his family members. So he's doing something that he thinks is going to help his family. And meanwhile, he was his OCD was putting them all through hell, basically. Wow. So that is the obsessive side. Moving to the compulsive side, is that easier to diagnose and easier to witness? I mean, they walk in your office and they're, and they're I mean, I'm sure that there's, when you've seen one, you've just seen one, they're all different. But by and large, is the behavioral side much easier to diagnose? It's easier to diagnose because you can see it. It's much more, um, and other people can observe it in, in cases. Now, in, in, and it depends what the compulsion is uh, for certain people. So there are some compulsions that people have that would never present themselves, let's say, in my office. Um, like I have a patient with OCD, his compulsions around uh, cleanliness and symmetry are only in his bedroom. They don't, not even in his kitchen or his dining room. So OCD can get, can be very specific. Um, but I do have patients who when they walk in, their hands are completely chapped because you can tell they've been probably overwashing them. Um, or, you know, people who, I also treat people who have body dysmorphic disorder, BDD, which is um, kind of in that same family of OCD, people who think that they look really ugly when in fact they look fine and so they have certain compulsions um, that might things like skin picking or wearing excessive amounts of makeup or things like that so but the the compulsions are definitely easier to spot because it's an observable behavior and for a lot of people who just have the pure obsessional they often don't even realize that that's what it is that they have is obsessive compulsion. they just think this is how I think and they don't realize this isn't this isn't a functional way of thinking interesting so and then if you have both you have the thought and then you have the behavior and the behavior is there to rid the thought basically yes the 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 compulsion is is seemingly the the kind of the market line of the compulsion is hey if you perform me the being the compulsion uh, the anxiety will melt away, that you will no longer have this sort of obsessive thought. So if you do this compulsion, all you need to do is just say, you know, the rosary and this bad thing won't happen to your family member. And, of course, the person will say the rosary and they'll feel better in that moment, but then within it could be within minutes that suddenly the thought pops in their head again that something bad is going to happen to a family member. And that thought is so – people with OCD – struggle with what we call thought-action fusion, which is that they, there's a sense that when they have a thought, that that thought is basically as good as the action. It's as if, so if you think about rear-ending someone in a car because they're going too slow on the highway, to someone with OCD, that thought is equivalent to actually hitting that person with the car. And so they feel the guilt of the thought because it's as if they did the behavior. Whereas you and I or you know, people who don't, have, um, who don't struggle with OCD in that way could have that thought and know that it's just a thought, that it doesn't mean that you're actually going to rear-end somebody in your, in your car. And it's just a thought. But for someone with OCD, it doesn't feel that way. So then once they have that thought, 
then the OCD is like, oh, well, what a terrible person I am, that I'm a murderer. I want to harm people, and, and what a horrible person. And then people perform a compulsion to try to rid themselves of that anxiety. I, I, have to, I, can't, I cannot remember who said it and exactly what they said, but, oh, God, in the last year, I, I remember somebody saying, the brain doesn't know the difference between reality and a dream. It, it, it wasn't a dream, but a, like a thought or something like that. And it's just when I was listening to you describe that, the thought is, is like reality. It's, just brought that up. I oh, absolutely. I mean, because physiologically, their body is responding in, I mean, cortisol levels and stress hormones. I mean, their body is responding to it. So when I um, do treatment with somebody who has, you know, what is sort of called hit and run OCD, you know, people who drive and they think they've hit and killed somebody because of any in, any bump on the road, basically. I mean, all the even the normal kind of bumps um, that when I'm and I do part of the treatment is you do exposure therapy and I've had patients in the car and we drive and we don't stop and they are reacting as if we just hit and killed somebody. I mean it is not it is the real deal. I mean their body is going through what what one would expect uh someone, you know, of, of uh, conscience and morality to go through if they think they hit and killed someone and is fleeing the scene. And you're right, the brain does not know the difference. And so, and once you perform a compulsion and then you all that anxiety drains from your body, the brain is saying, hey, we need to keep doing that compulsion because look, it's, it's bringing the anxiety down. The problem is the more you do the compulsion, the worse you're actually making the OCD. Interesting. Um, I'm going to ask you about his patients here for a second. Dr. Olivaria, uh, this is fascinating to me, and I, I think I'd like to invite you on for sequel because we're not going to cover nearly the material I'd like tonight. Sure. Um, I want to I want to I want to tease the audience here to look for the sequel um, because we're talking about what OCD is, and ultimately. You talk about the characteristics of OCD and the characteristics of ADHD. One is you have this obsessive, you know, thing, and then you have this distractibility and impulsive thing. They're seemingly opposite, and I want to get to that, but I don't think we're going to tonight, um, possibly in the sequel. But um, I turn to Kirsten's question early on is that, that Swiss Army knife between here's OCD and here's people that have ADHD that might, I mean, they might say I'm obsessive or kind of compulsive, but I think it's kind of for different reasons because I know I've worked with some people who say, well, I'm OCD. I mean, they throw that stuff out there. And the more you're talking about this, there's no way they're OCD. And, Kirsten, I like your thoughts on this because are people quick to classify? I mean, from your perspective in a layman and as your professional, are people quick to classify themselves as OCD just to maybe take the pressure off of, uh, things that they do? Uh, yeah, I mean, most of the people that that I hear kind of using that term, you know, whether they actually believe that they have OCD or not when they don't, um, you know, to me it's it's a way to minimize maybe the impact that they're having on somebody else because they are being nitpicky or maybe they're having um, a more of a dramatic reaction to a small event, somebody leaving a spoon out on the table and they're freaking out about it, maybe because they have, you know, ADHD or maybe just because that's their thing. Um, and so they'll, they'll try and minimize it by saying, oh, it's because, you know, I've got OCD, I've got a disorder, that's why I do it. 
Um, but really, OCD, um, you know, as Dr. Olivaria is doing an amazing job of describing it, is really painful. And it's painful, mm-hmm. you know, for, for very different reasons, both internally for the person who's experiencing it, but also for the people around them. And I just, you know, as, as you were talking a little a minute ago, I kept thinking, you know, we talk to clients all day long who have ADHD and, and most of them have experienced at least one person and oftentimes many people in their lives saying to them, you know, why don't you just, you know, you're just faking it, you know you can do it, or if you just applied yourself a little bit more. So giving them a hard time because they don't understand happening in the ADHD brain for the person, but trying to wrap your head around what a client means when they say, I, have, I just hit a person, I have to go back and check when they've just gone over what we would think of as a little bump in the road. I just can't even imagine, you know, being the partner or the parent of somebody and trying to wrap your head around how that person is Absolutely, and I would agree. I mean, it, it really is a painful, you know, OCD, it's sort of, it's become kind of part of the popular vernacular, you know, where people say, oh, I'm so OCD, to describe themselves as people who just, you know, might value neatness and organization, and it is, for people with OCD, that's very insulting, because um, they, you know, they wish that they could just say that in kind of this sort of carefree way, that it really is painful, and um, I work with kids as young as seven who struggle with this and it is uh, it's it's just it's tormenting I mean there's just no other way to to describe it I mean to know that it feels as if your mind is just working against you on so many levels um, this is absolutely brilliant I'm having like an aha <laughs> in this process I want to run to commercials so I can kind of get my arms around this stuff a little bit because I think that well, bottom line, let's go to a break real quick. Everybody, if you want to contact Dr. Olivardia, it's his email address is R-O-B-E-R-T-O underscore O-L-I-V-A-R-D-I-A at hms.harvard.edu.com, and we'll be right back after these messages. Our secret word is OCD1. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. 
Welcome back, everybody, to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. We're here with Dr. Roberta Olivardia, and we're talking about ADHD. Actually, we've been talking mostly about obsessive-compulsive disorder. We're going to get to ADHD, and I'm going to hold Dr. Olivardia to a sequel so we can get into some of that. But um, I, I'm learning a lot here, and it's interesting because I'd like to throw out some concepts here and kind of sort our way through this because um, it, it, it's interesting to me Dr. Olivardi, as you have described this, that, that word intrusive that you said earlier and some of the extremes that you went to is so far away from many people that I see who say they're OCD when they're just, you know, cleaning the counters and stuff like that. And I just, I'm going to throw some concepts out here, and I'm going to ask Kirsten and you to kind of help pull this stuff together, is on one side I know that you know, as a coach we're taught take the pressure off of those with ADHD. If you put a lot of pressure on them, it paralyzes. And I always say, you know, the, the job of the defense is to put pressure on the offense because it inhibits performance. And if somebody needs to have a, a clean room in order to free themselves from distractions so that they can focus, that might look strange to somebody else. But, in fact, it's a compulsory um, it's a structure that that person puts in place in order for or a structure they put in place for them to sit down and, and, and focus to do that. And in the moment that they're doing that and it looks strange to somebody else, they might say, it's easy to say, I have OCD to take the pressure off. And it's funny because we've, we've interviewed Dr. Um, Ari Tuckman about the difference between using at least ADHD or maybe OCD as an explanation or excuse. In that situation, they're using it as an explanation as to what they're doing to kind of take the pressure off. And Dr. Oliver, I know you're good friends with Dr. Tuckman. I'll come back to you yeah. in a second. But there's this, this thing here that I'm kind of going, oh, my God, there's – because I know there's some people that I've coached that say, oh, I'm OCD. And I'm like, I don't, think, I don't think you are, but now I'm starting to see, oh, they're not. But they're using that label – to explain their behavior, at least, and I'm, I'm thinking of this, right. explain their and, and behavior, could, take the pressure off, but at the end of the day, to me, there's a reason for their behavior, and it's the ADD side so that they can concentrate. Well, it depends. <laughs> Excuse me. It depends on that, and I think it's, this is, it's so careful to sort of tease out on an individual basis that it could be um, that you know, this is someone who just is very organized and, and very neat and likes things you know, that way versus somebody who is going to be you know, extremely anxious um, and, and very agitated if the spoon isn't exactly you know, where it should be. Um, but for people with ADD, that it, it very much could be, okay, I need to clean this in order to focus. But then if you have both ADD and OCD, it could be that if you're um, distracted, let's say, it might lend itself for you to start obsessing about things. And it could be, okay, I need to kind of put things and order things on the table in a certain way in order to focus. But it might be more um, I need to focus because the anxiety of just of this, and, and the anxiety that's brought on by OCD is the thing that's actually distracting me. So if, for example, like I've, I have a patient uh, now who has both ADD and OCD who says that um, before doing anything that requires executive function, so like reading, for example, that he finds he just gets very anxious about just doing work because of just his ADD issues, um, that it almost kind of ushers in the OCD, he says, where he starts to get very 
Um, he needs to do certain compulsions, and if he doesn't do the, these compulsions, then his studying won't go well. And not from a perspective of he's clearing his environment. Like these are he's saying like random numbers in his head, things that have nothing to do with him actually. Like it's not like I'm cleaning my desk, so it's clutter free. That to him, it it's almost this magical thinking we call it, where if I don't repeat these numbers, like for him, he has to say every odd number from one to a hundred, and if he doesn't, then basically he's saying he's going to have a bad night studying. And what that is, it's almost like OCD is a way that sometimes, and it's not conscious. It's not that people choose this, but it's almost like a way that people trying to manage their anxiety because he does struggle with issues of homework and, and reading and a lot of executive functions that bring up a lot of anxiety for him. And his way of trying to manage that anxiety is where sort of the OCD is coming in. But he's had he has other OCD things that have nothing to do with the ADD stuff. So it can, it can be very complicated. I mean, they very much could look like each other and work with in, in cahoots of each other. Uh, Kirsten, your thoughts? Ouch. That's all I have to say. Well, Dr. Oliver, you're doing amazing work because I know from, you know, working long-term with a few clients who had um, OCD that it is very slow progress. It, you know, you take a couple steps forward and maybe you take one or two back again and because um, you're, you're working against something that can't be touched, it can't be, you know, manipulated, um, it's a challenge. It's so. challenging. The the good news is though is that treatment is it can actually be quite effective in terms of behavioral therapy. Um and this is what we call exposure therapy and for the in just a nutshell it would be so if somebody has a fear of germs on their hands um and they're avoiding touching doorknobs and just everything um to the point where they can't really function the treatment is, and it sounds strange, but the treatment would be to have them put their hand on a dirty toilet and have it sit there for maybe three minutes and then prevent the response of washing their hands. We call it exposure plus response, response prevention treatment. Now, the, re, the, the reason for that is that basically what you're doing is training this person's body to tolerate anxiety and realize that no one has ever died from anxiety. You can't actually die from being anxious. And if you're, if you're engaged with the anxiety, what goes up must come down. Your cortisol levels, your stress hormones will eventually go down. But if you're trying to push away something that's making you anxious, that can happen for 24-7. You can push it away. It's going to come back. You can push it. It's like if you put a beach ball underwater – I mean, the second you let go of it, it's just going to pop back up, and you can exhaust yourself by putting that beach ball underwater, or you can just put the beach ball just on top of the water and just acknowledge that it's there and deal with that. And it, it can be very tough. It's a very tough leap. But the wonderful thing, and for anyone out there who's listening who has OCD, it it's the scariest thing. I have a tremendous amount of respect for patients who – who do this kind of work because basically they're doing the very thing that every fiber in their body is telling them they should not be doing. But 
you can get quite dramatic results from it. And studies show, actually, if you compare behavior therapy with medication with no treatment, that uh, behavior therapy does um, it can actually be higher or equal to medication um, or both behavior therapy and medication. But it's a it's a it's an essential essential part of treating OCD is that behavior therapy. So I I have to share. Everybody can read it later, but. You- you know, I do some of the Facebook posts, and as you were talking about this, you said, you know, have my clients, they have to get engaged with their anxiety. Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, this is the one time when you want to get engaged to something so that you can break up. Exactly. It's what a good a way of looking at it. Brilliant. Right? <laughs> I love what you just said. Facebook post, Kirsten. <laughs> I already wrote it. That's why I'm sitting here, and I was like, oh, I should just wait. But I oh, couldn't stand it. I needed re, re, to share it because I thought, me, that's clever. Yeah, re, <laughs> write that in a couple different versions so we can release it in some different ways so it's not, it's not the same post. But that was absolutely brilliant. Um, Thank you. I, I will have to tell you this. It's, it's, Dr. Olivardi, I'm closing my eyes, and I'm listening to this and trying to imagine a, a couple different versions, kind of like imagine like a like kind of – imagine being in somebody else's head, like a kind of a metacognition thing, and all of a sudden I came up with kind of four different things that I might be doing, and I've labeled them differently, and I'd like to share them with the two of you and get your kind of thoughts, because I think a lot of people out there might make some observations, and I think what you're talking about in terms of OCD is very... um, the the intrusive and the anxiety and stuff, I think that's the Swiss Army knife. But when I started thinking about, like, behaviors, number one is, you know, there are baseball players. I mean, there there are athletes that have compulsive behaviors that are superstitious. Yes. They're not It's, it's they're not OCD. I mean, I, I remember when – I mean, I, I don't do this anymore, but I can't – I'll never forget when I was 12 swimming, there was a pair of socks. I had to wear that. I mean, I wore those pair of socks three days in a row every weekend because I was superstitious. I don't think I was obsessive or compulsive. I mean, I don't do anything like that anymore, but I remember back then I thought they brought me luck. That is not OCD. That's a superstition, right? Right. And, you know, in OCD there are people that might have – you know, some traits of it, um, and uh, children especially sometimes have sort of obsessive-compulsive type of habits as a way of organizing and structuring themselves. And and absolutely, you see athletes, they have their uh, superstitions uh, about things. And where it would be diagnosed for where OCD would be if it gets to a point where it's causing them anxiety, where it's interfering with their ability to live their lives and live um, their lives in very healthy, functional ways. So, no, I wouldn't consider that OCD. I mean, someone might say, oh, that's a little, um, you know, superstitious or that's a little, you know, odd. What do you think will happen if you didn't do that ritual? And, you know, some athletes will say, oh, I feel like I won't play a good game, which is, you know, it's like magical thinking, which is the same thing we see with OCD, but it's not, that's not OCD. It's interesting because I went to Indiana back when Bobby Knight was there and Steve Alford was a guard at the time, and he was like 91% at the free throw line, and everybody got to know his ritual at the free throw line. He would go adjust his socks, bounce, I'm not 100% right, but adjust his socks, bounce three times, and swish. And after a while, after after I think two years into the crowd would go, socks, bounce, bounce, swish. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was, 
I have no idea if it was superstition or if it was just his ritual just to let the body take over from the mind. But I share this with everybody out there because I'm not so sure. Maybe maybe some of this is superstition, not necessarily OCD. Then there's the other, the other side of it is we talked about even like you, you had to clean the room before you studied, and that's that's not I'm, – I'm, I don't think that's an obsessive behavior. It's to, it's to remove the distractions and the clutter to call me so that you could actually focus. And I think that a lot of people do what they might think as obsessive or compulsive behavior, they use OCD as an explanation, but it's really, they're doing it for another reason, i.e., I don't want to be distracted. Is that, do you think that's an accurate statement? It, it could be, yes. And and I think what's important is, again, that they're, they're um, you could have sort of the mixture of both. I mean, I, I certainly have uh, obsessive tendencies about certain things, and then there are other things that, that I don't at all, and they come out at certain times. I, I don't have OCD. I wouldn't say I have OCD, but there are times that I can get quite obsessional in my thinking about certain things. And so the key is really to parse, in out, to parse out what is the function of that compulsion or that behavior, rather. Um, so when, when someone with ADD says, oh, well, I clean my desk because if I don't, I'm going to start playing with whatever, well, that's not OCD. That's a management of your ADD. Um, which is good that you should be cleaning your desk if you end up getting distracted by clutter. But if the person, let's say, in order before writing a paper, they had to, um, you know, scrub the the tile grout on their walls. I mean, something like that. Well, you don't really need to do that to do that to manage your ADD track. That might be more of an OCD thing. Yeah, that, that makes all the sense in the world. So now here's the last one, and. When I when I'm working with people, I, and everybody, I'm sorry about this, but I have a I have a different view of procrastination. I think people procrastinate on things for certain characteristics, either repetitive, boring, routine. Sometimes people procrastinate things that are confrontational. Sometimes people uh, procrastinate when they really don't know what to do or how long it's going to take. Um, it's easy to say I need to go find it on the internet. That doesn't mean you know where to find it. But I say all these things because I have coached some people before where let, let's say they have to write a paper. And they're starting with a white sheet of paper, and they really don't know what to put. And they, they're sitting there, and they're distracted. They'll go do some other ritual for a period of time, not because they're OCD. It's just because their mind is blank, and they don't really know what to put on the paper. And something else is a little bit more stimulating to them, whether it's yeah. rearranging some papers, where they're, they're trying to wait for an idea to come together and this is just an observation I have with people. I don't think they're OCD. I just think that they don't know what to put on the paper, so they end up doing rituals, if you will, that are in the proximity, and they might say, well, I must be OCD. It's not an intrusive thought. It's just they got a blank mind. And they don't know where to start. Is, can you comment on that? Is that? Sure. I, absolutely, I think that's a good example of... Um, absolutely where it would be more driven by the ADHD. So if somebody's sitting and they're, uh, they, they can't think about, let's say, what to write on the paper, um, they might say, oh, well, why don't I organize my CD collection right now? And it's, that's not an obsessive-compulsive behavior. That's sort of more pr- a procrastinating behavior. Um, it's something that's just keeping them engaged. And, and obs- obsessional, for people who have both OCD and ADD, they will report that sometimes the obsessions are 
it's not a welcome stimulation, but the brain, again, doesn't know the difference. It's stimulating, and an ADD brain is typically pretty under-aroused. That's always craving stimulation, and unfortunately, if you have both OCD and ADD, one of those forms of stimulation could be the obsessions around the OCD. So it's very important for people who have both OCD and ADD to, uh, again, if the ADD is missed, which is often the case when I work with people who have both, um, the ADD is often the undiagnosed one, that once you understand the ADD, it's, it can really help at managing the OCD and vice versa. So, so just, just I want to back up and I was, just my notes here while you guys were talking, I was thinking if I'm somebody out there who maybe labeled myself OCD and I'm trying to stand in their shoes, you can have rituals that are not OCD unless they're really intrusive. I mean, we, I mean there's, a, there's a line here. You can, um, you can have what might look like a compulsive thing to kind of clean some space. There's another reason for that. It's you're clearing that for the distractions. It's not obsessive compulsive. There's a reason why you're doing that so that you actually can bring that focus. And then there's the other side is you might be bored or you might not know what to do, or you might just be sitting down to do what I call insightful thinking. It's not coming to you, and you get distracted, and you go do something, which is kind of funny because you know how you, you sometimes you get the most brilliant ideas when you're coming out of the shower. You might be doing <laughs> something mindless, and the, the the place to start might come to you, kind of go back to it. But I keep kind of going is is I go back to the intrusive, uncontrollable thoughts that kind of keep coming back in. As if you're having that, that might be a that might. If, if you witness that in your head, that might be more OCD, but whereas these other things, there's other reasons behind it. And, Dr. Oliver, I, I don't want to represent – I just it – just, it, it, that makes sense. I don't want to lead anybody down a, a, the wrong path, but what I'm taking from this is it's this uncontrollable anxiety that comes in. That's the difference between that and something else, OCD and other things. Definitely. I mean, OCD is an anxiety disorder, so it's in the category of anxiety disorders. So if somebody is, you know, cleaning their room or organizing their CD collection and, and they're not feeling anxious, then that wouldn't be an obsessive-compulsive behavior um, from as far as OCD goes. I mean, there are people can feel, um, you know, again, can have certain obsessive traits or compulsive behaviors, but in terms of bona fide OCD, it's marked by anxiety. It's marked by the person feeling uh, tremendously anxious. That makes a lot of sense in the world. Kirsten, you got any, we need to start wrapping this up a little bit. Do you have any other thoughts or comments? I don't right now. I'm looking forward, actually, to having the sequel where we'll be talking more about the um, you know, convergence of ADHD and OCD. Um, I know that some of Dr. Olivardi's work has had a tremendous impact on a lot of people. Uh, in that area and made a lot of sense to them. So I will look forward to that show in the future. And so, yeah, just to preview that, Dr. Olivari, it's it is, you have OCD, it looks like it's very regimented. Then you have this other impulsive distractibility. They don't seem to be there, so we'll we'll talk about that. And then you have the treatment of the two that coexist, right? Yes. And is, is there any other, because I, I haven't been through all my notes to kind of get to the end of this stuff, what are some of the other factors when you bring those two together that that would be good stuff for us to talk about in the next um, show. 
Sure. I mean, a lot of what I, I talk about also is, is understanding how either of them can be missed, that many people might be aware that they have OCD but not the ADD, and then there are people that have the ADHD that don't realize they have the OCD. And and we can talk about how it's very common that one of those diagnoses get missed along the shuffle um, and how to sort of understand that. And then absolutely treatment is essential to properly diagnose and understand that both of these things are happening so that uh, the treatment interventions, because even the way that I treat someone with OCD who also has ADHD is different than when I treat someone who just has OCD. Um, and it's very important to know that if they have the ADHD, how that affects even their ability to do the behavioral therapy and other therapies. Um, so definitely keeping that in mind. And another thing that I often talk about in talks too, if we have a chance in, in the sequel conversation, is uh, how that plays into careers because um, you know the typical ADD person gravitates towards a certain type of career path, and the the typical kind of OCD individual might gravitate towards a certain career path. Well, what happens when you have both OCD and ADD? Um, it can feel like you're kind of torn in different directions, and it can manifest itself in very different ways. Wow, that's uh, well, <laughs> great topic. Well, we need to wrap this up. One last, I only got like uh, 90 seconds to do this. Howie Mandel. I've seen come on. He talks. He's OCD. He he, he leads with that, but he also says he's ADHD. Correct. Uh, are you are you familiar with that? Because it's yes. because he talks. He focuses more on the OCD, but he does disclose that he has ADD. He does, and I've read um, portions of his book, and he definitely has both ADHD and OCD. His OCD is actually quite severe too, um, and his book is actually very uh, interesting. And another book of someone who had, has OCD who doesn't have ADHD, but he has OCD, is Mark Summers, who, is, who used to host a Nickelodeon show, which was um, uh, the name Double Dare, I believe it was called, uh -huh. where that required, I mean, it was a very messy kind of show, but he yeah. had pretty severe OCD. But his uh, memoir is actually very well written about his OCD. Wow. Well, with that, just because we're, we're running out of time, uh, Dr. Oliver, we'll look forward to having you on another show here pretty soon. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. For everybody out there, if you have any questions, you can contact uh, Dr. Olivardia at Roberto, R-O-B-E-R-T-O underscore Olivardia, O-L-I-V-A-R-D-I-A at HMS at Harvard.edu. And with that, thank you, Dr. Oliver, and thank you, Kirsten. Have a good night. Have a good night. Thanks. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.